Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, that's enough. <clears throat> Last week, we um, started a new series, and we're simply calling it a new series, I mean, a, a new season of grace. Uh, God's grace is still the same. It's still amazing. But as we move into this new season, um, a lot's changing, and it's, it's almost... A little scary to say that you feel like you're moving back into a norm because how many of you will agree that a norm just doesn't really exist everything seems to be shifting and changing constantly um, whether it's fear-based or reality I mean this stuff is constantly moving you can't watch the news without trying to figure out what you're gonna do next week but I'm talking about this because there's something about following Christ that never changes he never changes. And we talked last week about the fact that our, our mission here at Grace River always has been, even in the school we're launching in January, out of our daycares and in lower grades, not located on this property, but we're moving some of those lower grades to this property in January, it's that every generation can experience transformation through Christ. Every generation, young and old, that will transform their lives in every area, not just Sunday mornings. But we believe that, that ministry or service means that there need to be powerful men and women of God serving in, in the community, all in any job you can imagine. So we need teachers, lawyers, doctors, bus drivers. I don't care what we do, it can be into the Lord. But it's, it's how God transforms us and how God works through us and our lives change. And we talked about these areas that, that we're sort of building upon that we see the change take place. So, so we talked last week about the need to be saved, right? I don't know if we have all those on the screen. Saved. Uh, today we'll talk about being healed, what it means to be healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. <clears throat> I believe that, that this could take, some of these happen immediately. When you're saved, you're saved. Somebody say, I'm saved. Okay? So, saved is not a progress. You know, I'm almost saved. No, you, you don't, you're not almost saved. When you give your life to Christ, he has paid the price. Uh, that, that's where, and I, I'm just recapping last week very quickly, that's where some of us struggle because we feel like somehow we have to earn it or somehow become deserving of it. And we beat ourselves up, don't we? Somehow, I just don't deserve to be saved. You don't. Just wanted to encourage you. You don't deserve to be saved. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn because he could have. He could have come and, and put the blame right where it needed to be, but he didn't. The Bible tells us that while we were sinners, 
He died for us. So it's not something we earn, we're saved, but we also talked about that fact that we're body, soul, and spirit. So when you're saved, the spirit man has a relationship with God that's final. You're saved. But this soul, this decision-making process, this heart issue in us, it's constantly rustling, isn't it? It's, it's going through a constant process of growth because I, I'm not the man I, I'm going to be, but I am not the man I used to be, right? So that, that process of maturity takes place. Now, that's a progress. That's a process. I wish I could tell you that when I got saved, everything was perfect, and I never made any more mistakes. I wish I could tell you that, but I can't because it's a process, right? How many of you also know that in this spiritual, uh, if the spirit man is saved, if this process through our soul, our thinking, our heart is being transformed, how about this physical body? <clears throat> this physical body, as we talked about last week, there's going to be a new one. But until then, this just keeps getting older and older and weaker and slower. Just wanted to encourage you, right? Now, you know, uh, now what, how does that fit into today, Pastor? Well, because healing can be a touchy subject. You want to believe in healing like you're supposed to be here forever. You want to believe in healing like you're not supposed to have any pain or suffering. And I'll go so far as to say this, too, because um, I'm going to break in a little history lesson here in just a moment. Not to bore you, but just I'll move through it quickly, I promise. But the reality is we've turned God's blessings into our menu of delight. We've turned God's strength in our lives into what makes us most comfortable in this life. Rather than, God, how will you use me in this life? Because I promise you, God is still in the miracle business. He still is. I, I know there may be some, even here, there may be some who feel like the gifts and the miracles all stopped. But history can't prove that. History can prove that God is still God and that miracles still happen. But here's the reason it's a miracle. You can't do it. You know, we, we want to just, you know, I, I know we fall into a trap sometimes. Of, well, look, every day is a miracle. God, I see miracles every day. No, you don't. If you take a breath, because God created you that way, it's a miracle because you couldn't create that. But, yes, we're walking. If that's a miracle for you, yes, absolutely, I agree. But when it comes to living this life, and supernaturally moving and impacting the lives of others, uh, miracles don't happen on a daily basis. It takes God. Or you can make it happen on your own. Now, now let me just get into the Word here, and we'll, we'll break this down for a few moments. I want to just start with Luke chapter 4. What time is it? I've got to pace myself here. Luke chapter 4, and I'm, I'm just going to read at verse 18. It's a very familiar passage to many of you. Jesus goes to the temple. He takes a scroll from the attendant and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, 
and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now again, Jesus is coming and he's saying this after he reads this, he rolls the scroll and then he sits down and he says, it is now happened. It's now fulfilled. And as he is seeing this being fulfilled, um, we're not breaking down this passage as much as we are just understanding. He is proclaiming, he's just come out of the wilderness in Luke, and he's now proclaiming that the kingdom is here. Everything Isaiah was talking about, it's here. That's what I mentioned a moment ago. It's the kingdom that has come when when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, his prayer to the Father is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and through Jesus Christ, his kingdom has come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that means there, the kingdom has come, and, and please, I want to be very careful to make this clear. The kingdom has come, but not in its fullness, not yet. So we're saved, but God's still doing a work in us until his coming. So what does that look like? Am I just putting on a seatbelt and hoping the ride is comfortable? Am I, are we just getting in little holy huddles and not impacting the world but hope Jesus comes soon? Because after all, Pastor, the, the world is just getting so bad. It's getting worse and worse every day. Every time I watch the television, it's so depressing. I hope Jesus comes tonight. I, I've got good news and other news. The good news is Jesus is coming. No man knows the day or the hour. But the other news is he told us to have an impact. He told us to be light. He told us to shine in the darkness. He told us to go make disciples. So that means I've got to be following after him, doing the work that he's called me to do. Why? Because that's a part of the kingdom. It's the kingdom that's at work now until it is fulfilled. So that's why it's important for us to get saved. And, and listen, healed. And let me talk about this for a few minutes because that word healed out of Isaiah and the specific use here is not the word, you know, the word saved, sozo, it's, it's, it's got an aspect of healing in regards to wholeness. So when he saves us, he makes us whole. But our soul and our, and our body, our physical body, we're still in this brokenness. So the word there is, is to cure. Came to cure the brokenhearted. Came to cure. Now let me break this down. Let's talk about physical healing for a few minutes. Because does God want us all to be healed? Not a trick question. Yes. But is it going to happen the way we think it's going to happen immediately? No. Believe me, there's going to be one, there's going to be a day where there's no more pain, no more suffering. You're going to finally look awesome. All right? That'll sink in in just a minute. You know, you're, you'll have a new body. You're going to look great, the best shape you've ever been in. I have no idea how God's going to work all that out. You know, I'm sort of hoping if, if I can feel like I do now, you know, you get to a point in your life, whatever. You know, I'm just not going to the beach anymore, okay? Because the bottom line is we'll have a new body, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. But while we're here, not a trick question, 
while we're here can we experience physical healing? Let, let me just read you a few passages out of the Old Testament. Exodus 15, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will not put the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your God, your healer. Now, I just want to say real quickly, when God starts telling you, I am your healer, he's not telling you a name. He's identifying what he is. He's a healing God. God is love. That doesn't mean you call him love. He is love. He's Jehovah Rapha. That doesn't mean he can heal. He is the healer. He is healing. Exodus 23 says, I will take sickness away from among you. Deuteronomy 7.15, it's all very prophetic because we know that it's leading to what Isaiah is talking about, to that final consummation, but just listen. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness, and none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew will be inflicted on you. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your disease. Isaiah says, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He has borne all of our griefs. So that price has been paid. So let me ask you a question. When we talk about healing, and we're going to read out of the New Testament in just a moment, because when Jesus shows up, I mean, there's healings everywhere. When Jesus shows up, there's powerful healings. Everywhere he goes, there's a healing. There's somebody's life being changed. And, and I, I mean this, I mean, no, no disrespect when I say this. I'm not talking about I, my, I got a little backache, Lord, can you pray for me? Okay. If you have backaches, we'll pray for you, but just stop picking up heavy stuff. Okay. Um, some, some of us, what we pray for, quite honestly, it, just a little intelligence would cure us. Seriously. You know, uh, my father-in-law was a medical doctor and a wonderful man. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but um, he used to say all the time, people would come in and say, well, it really hurts when I lift my arm. Don't lift your arm. Stop lifting your arm then. Okay. Now, he would help them find the cure and whatever the ailment was. But sometimes our answered prayer is just stop. Stop doing that. You'll be amazed at, at what happens when you just do things the right way. Makes sense? But now, let me ask you this. When, when Jesus healed something, we're not talking about bad backs, sore feet. We were talking about blind, lepers, dead. People who were given up on in life. People who had been lame for years. A woman with the issue of blood for 20-some-odd years. Men and women who had been crippled their entire life. So we're not talking about, well, maybe that could have been, but it was a good visit from the doctor that healed her. No. 
Now, now Jesus did all these things. He, he didn't come to, to heal like that. So people would say, oh, well, now we can believe he is the Messiah. No, the people still didn't believe he was the Messiah. But he came because the Spirit of God had sent him and anointed him. And those weren't signs leading him to be the Messiah. He was the Messiah. There's just something about being who you say you are. It just sort of falls out of you. In one particular passage in several of the Gospels, it talks about men who brought their friend to Jesus. And they lowered him through the ceiling. And, and as they lowered him before Jesus, Jesus just looked around and said, which is easier for me to do? Forgive a person of their sins or to tell this man, take up your bed and walk. To prove to you, I can forgive you of your sins. Because see, when Jesus says, I want to forgive you of your sins, we, we want to believe that desperately. But then we try to work it off the rest of our lives. We, we try to say, now nah, I have to earn it. I have to be good enough. I have to, and Jesus says, to prove that I have the kind of power I'm talking about to forgive sin, get up and walk. Roll that baby up and walk. Pick it up and walk. And the man did. Why? Not because Jesus was trying to start a healing ministry. He's the healer. It's because Jesus was trying to show that when I say I can do a work in your life, let me give you a taste of it now. Now, here's, here's where we get into a little bit of controversy, I know. Because when we start talking about healing, there, there's two specific areas that we can get into a problem with. And, and that is when, whenever we prayed for anyone to be healed and they don't get healed, people have a tendency to say, well, you didn't have faith. Because after all, if you have faith, you can move a mountain. Doesn't the Bible say that? And after all, if you have faith, you can, you know, I, I believe all that, but I, I'm telling you over the last, not just 100 years, but throughout church history, you, you should not be surprised at how God's word just gets twisted. And then it takes a few generations for people to get so hungry for the word that they stop listening to the stuff, and, and people start gravitating back to the word. And it gets even to the point where some are willing to say, well, those, those things don't happen anymore. Let me, just, let me just take you through a little church history here real quick, and I'm, I'm not going to be long, I promise you. But just a, a few hundred years after Jesus was raised and ascended to heaven, a man by the name of Justin Martyr died in AD 165. In all of his writings, you'll see that, that people were being healed and delivered. Irenaeus died in 200 AD, all of his writings. All of these church fathers in their writings would talk about healings, prophetic words, people who were powerfully being used by God, and, and not just not just everybody necessarily, but that different individuals in the body of Christ would just pray and people would be healed, pray and people would be delivered. And this was several hundred years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Tertullian and Origen, Novation, all these lived and died by 600 AD. So hundreds of years afterward in their writings, God is moving profoundly. Lives are being changed. Cyprian, Anthony, Athanasius, Hilarion, 
Ambrose, and I'm not trying to impress you with history because most of you don't care about the names you're hearing. But if you, if you study church history, you know these are church fathers who laid the foundation for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, even to Gregory the Great, Bernard Clairvaux, and last Francis of Assisi, who died in 1226. That in their writings, listen, you can believe that the gifts have stopped. You can believe that healing has stopped. The problem is, 1,200 years later, in the writings of the church fathers, they're saying, no, it hasn't. They speak of tongues. They speak of, and listen, I come from a Pentecostal background. And I say that I'm humbly suggesting to you this morning, I've seen all the nut jobs. I've seen all the crazies, okay? Because listen, by the way, we're all family. Okay, don't look around the room. But how many in your family, there's a nut job somewhere? Okay, can I say that word in church? I don't know. There's that person that if they show up to family reunion, okay. But if they don't, we still love them and it's going to be a better day. You know, I don't know. But here's what I do know, that no matter what you think about them, it's, it was still happening. These church fathers are writing about it. Now, if you fast forward into history, it's still taking place, but now we get about get late 1800s into the early 1900s. And we, we see a movement that starts, and it's the Pentecostal movement. What we know is Pentecostal charismatics. And listen, I don't, I don't, it's not about judging or not about uh, throwing anybody under the bus or lifting them up and saying that's the way. I was raised in it. I've seen the abuses in it. I've seen the flesh. Just like I don't care what church uh, traditions you come from, the flesh gets involved. You know, here's how it gets involved if you're not from a Pentecostal background. That's not the music I like. Well, who asked you? That's just, you know, I don't, I don't raise my hands like that. Uh, I don't like to worship like that. Well, my point is that's flesh. So it doesn't matter. You, you can be in a tradition that doesn't like to move a lot, or you can be in a tradition that moves way lots. It doesn't matter. When the flesh gets involved, there's abuses. And what happens is out of those abuses, people trying to do the sincere right thing have a very difficult time. Now, what am I saying? Even, even later on in history, the mid-1900s, 40s, 50s, certainly into the 60s, um, we see powerful moves of God, but with it, you have to take all the baggage that's happening around the peripheral. So is God healing? Yes. Are there people out there doing stupid things? Yes. So that causes any of us to wonder, why believe? Um, there, there's a powerful movement that, that crops up, and it's called the faith movement. Now, do we believe in faith? Yes. The Bible tells us without faith, you cannot please God. But a powerful part of this faith movement is where I'm, what I'm talking about comes from, and that is if you have enough faith, you'll get what you want. That is not what the Bible's talking about. Because that's when people are talking about, well, I've got faith for, for this, and it's all about a comfort list. It's all about not having a hard time. Rather than saying, 
God, what, what do I need for you today? You know, it's, it's amazing when Paul and Silas needed a miracle, it wasn't for comfort. They were chained to the bottom of a prison floor. They weren't even asking for anything. They were praising God. They were singing praises to God. Now, full confession, if that's me, I'm chained to a prison floor. I'm saying, okay, how did I get here? Nobody knows. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how, but God, you've got to get me out of here. Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, I've got to preach Sunday. Right? Um, I, I wonder sometimes if, if maybe I've missed, I've missed it because instead of walking in the kind of faith that simply says, hey, you know what? We're going to serve God. And the miracle we need is we're trying to reach every generation we can. So God, give us the tools to reach every generation. But instead, sometimes we're, Lord, if you'll just, we need a miracle. If you'll just bring them to us. If you'll just, if you'll just send them to us, Lord, we'll, we'll be so blessed. And we'll, we promise we'll take care of them when they get here. Am I making sense? Lord, if, you, if you'll do a work in my marriage, you know, Lord. Change them. Lord, if you'll just change them, we know how better life would be. Um, see, that's not the miracle you need. That's not the healing you need, guys. We talked about this a little bit last week, and I, I teach a couple of classes, and, and I'm talking to a lot of students all the time who are wrestling with their own faith. And we live in a culture that, as lost as they are, have a tendency to embrace suffering better than Christians. They embrace frugality. We want to see how much we can have in the name of Jesus. They're saying, let's, let's touch people's lives. Let's cure something in the name of the world. And so when I'm talking to them, I'm trying to get them to understand Jesus is the answer. And it's humbling because they say, really? So what miracles are you asking for? And it's usually for us just to have our needs met so we don't have to hurt. I'm talking about healing, right? I may need it because if you guys catch me in the parking lot, I don't know. But I hope I'm making sense. It's, it's not about will God answer prayer. God, God answers prayer. It's I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm needing to get out of my own way or I'm in his way and needing that next step to fulfill it. I, I often believe sometimes it's not that we pray amiss, it's that we just don't understand the wholeness that he's trying to do in us. I'm also praying this morning too, and I've been praying about this all week, that God would just do a work in our lives so much that it's not about God, if, if, you, if you'll just answer this prayer, I'll serve you forever. What? It's more of God, just like Meshach, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed when the Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. They said, well, you know, okay. But if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down. So he may deliver us. Or he may not, but we're still going to serve him, not you. See, some of us have this thing where God, you know, I'll, I'll, 
I'll serve you. I'll pay double tithes. I'll, I'll, I'll serve you forever. I'll change, I promise. But see, that, there you go. You think you're the one that changes. You think you're impressed with, he's impressed with your giving. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he's done. And when you pray with that kind of a spirit and that kind of a heart, it, it, sometimes it doesn't even matter. And this sort of takes a place. I know people are thinking, well, when you look at it that way, Pastor, why even pray? Because he wants us to pray. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to have a conversation. Well, Pastor, if, if your answer is, God, whatever your will is, no, I'm, I'm telling you, he's asking you, are you in my will? Are you following after me? Because if you are, you can ask anything you want. Now, now, let's just back up a little bit, because I'm talking about physical healing. When people don't get healed, well, where's your faith? Because if you don't have enough faith, we have to blame it on somebody, so it's, they didn't have faith. Because in the, in the culture that we've been raised in, in the church, if something's wrong with you, if you're sick, there must be sin in your life. If there's something wrong with you, if you're sick, am I making any sense? If there's something wrong with you, if there's sin in your life, um, it's not about growing. It's not about toughening up. It's not about God taking you through things. It's about God delivering you from all pain and suffering. So therefore, if you're having to go through pain and suffering, something's wrong with you and your faith. And that is a lie. That is a lie. The second problem is that, that God has already healed everyone, but he's probably only going to select a few here that he heals on occasion. No, here, here's the reality. Here's the hard, the maturing fact that we have to embrace. There's some stuff that we're going through. We can pray for God to heal us, but the answer may be my grace is sufficient. We may pray, because believe me, raised in this movement, both of my parents died of cancer at the age of 62. We didn't even know they had cancer until the year before. And they both, within a year of each other, died of cancer. Being raised in a movement that said we believe in healing. So we pay, prayed feverishly, we fasted, we prayed, and they died. Now let me ask a question from last week. Did they really die? No, see, if you give your life to Christ, you died and eternal life started. So we, we, we had that loss. We grieved. We were, we were just sad and heartbroken. We lost our mother and lost our father. Two giant figures in our life. And believe me, you'd love them. But did they die? Yeah, on this planet. But we already know that they're going to have a new body. They're going to have eternal life. There's going to be a resurrection. The Word of God tells us that. There's going to be a resurrection. Uh, we're, we're the ones here grieving. Why did we have to go through this? Because you're not meant to be here forever. Well, Pastor, why, why am I battling cancer? Or why am I battling this? Listen, hard words, but as much love as I can find. If we could see the big picture your pain and suffering here is a whisper. It's like a grand of sand on the beach. 
somehow you were to go down to the beach today and pick up a handful of sand and throw it up in the wind, that's your suffering. It's gone. Because when we stand before him, you're not going to remember. Well, pastor, that that brings no healing to where I am right now. That's that's the other part of healing that I want to talk about. Because I do believe that God answers physical healing, guys. And we pray in faith. The word of God in James tells us, call the elders forth, anoint with oil, pray, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the New Testament church practiced that and saw it all the time. But what do I believe is more important sometimes than even physical healing? It's emotional healing. It's it's a maturity emotionally and mentally. Because I got news for you. The world that we're living in is a very confusing place. And if there's emotional healing, there can be peace. When God heals our emotions, and when I tell you that I know what I'm talking about, um, I, I'm not just bragging about that. I know what I'm talking about. I know what it is to be hurt so painfully that for years, if that's touched, it, it just triggers something. And you even go back and you try to deal with stuff, and you deal with your past, you deal with your history, you know? <laughs> Didn't you enjoy that class? Right? Don't you just sort of, we don't do this in grace groups, you know, we... It could go there, but we, it's, a, it's a safe place, but I promise you, a grace group's not going to line you up. And, all right, everybody write down the five things you want to change on your spouse right now, you know, or just start writing all the bad stuff you've ever done. You know, we don't do that, but when you start unpacking your past, sometimes you run into stuff that you've not had closure on, and, and God will bring stuff up to me occasionally and say, John, I want to fix that, man. I, I want to work on you in that area. He said, I want to heal you. I want you to be whole, but you've gotten so accustomed to things being so broken, you think that's normal. So emotionally, he wants to put us back together. I'm I'm sharing this because I'm telling you, in the Word of God, we find ourselves constantly looking at people who are broken, who are finding, trying to find a way to find their way out. They hear about Jesus, they run to Jesus, and he's the answer. I can't tell you why some people are healed in our day that we live and some people are not. I I promise you I can't tell you. I'm not going to say you don't have faith. Um, I'm not going to tell you that, well, you're just, you know, you're experiencing that because you deserve it. There are consequences to our sin. But emotional healing reminds me of where my hope is. My hope is, um, you know, I, I, I didn't just find this out a few weeks ago. found out about a year ago. I've never, never had high blood pressure. Never. I mean, when I, whenever I would go to the doctor, <clears throat> he would be, man, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. But all of a sudden, one of my doctors was like, whoa, what are you doing now? What you always been telling me to do, just with about 20 extra pounds, that's all. 
So I'm so I'm praying, Lord, my you know my blood pressure this, and I'm you know I, I want to say that I'm exercising, so that's probably the answer to my prayer right there, right? But I, I'm I'm praying, but you know what? The Lord's just showing me, John. I want you to know that you can drop your blood pressure, but in 25 years, you're still coming home. Now please take care of yourself. I hope I'm making sense. John, I could heal you of your blood pressure. I could, I could make you stronger. You could live till you're 90. You're still coming home. So don't get too panicked about, I've only got five years left. No, if you really believe that you gave your life to me, John, you've been living in eternity for quite a while. You've just not experienced all of it yet. Now, see, how does that help me emotionally? When I realize that there's nothing about an ending here, um, and please, I'm not trying to be silly when I say this. You know, we, we want to go to heaven, but we don't want to miss time with the grandkids. We want to go to heaven, but we don't want to miss family time. Can I just encourage you to make the most out of it now? Start forgiving a lot quicker and make the most out of it now. Um, be healed of your emotions and be healed of your um, feelings and be healed of your past. Because if not, you'll spend years hating people you don't even hang around. And really all you've done is wasted years of your life that you're not promised. We're not promised tomorrow. So how am I going to live today? I not only believe Jesus wants to heal you and can heal you physically, I, I believe that God wants to touch us emotionally. I think that's a big deal because when we look back at what we're living in right now, the 21st century right now, depression's on the rise, and please, there are some serious needs out there. There are some legitimate, serious needs. There's trauma everywhere. It's before our eyes all the time. I can, I can totally understand why our world is depressed. But that's why there needs to be a clarity of mind. There needs to be a clarity. Paul says it like this, a transformation of the mind. Don't be conformed to the world. You know, so, so for me, you're going to hear more radical things like this. Stop watching the news. You want to have a better attitude tomorrow? Stop watching the news. Well, that's how I stay informed. No, that's how you stay depressed. Um, well, you know, Pastor, that's sort of our entertainment. Well, and that's probably why a lot of stuff is like it is in your family. Because we become what we watch. So we're gazing at him and becoming more like him are the stuff around us. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? I know what I'm saying hurts because I know when, when we talk about this kind of change, we want God to supernaturally come down and whoosh. That's how I've always prayed. And then I'll even get on my knees and, and pray, Lord, here I am. Please, here I am, take me, change me. Do your work in me. But I found that so much of the change that happens is through my physical obedience. How that change happens is, is just little things like, 
Okay, follow me. This is good preaching. You're just not acting like it. Follow me, John. Okay, Lord, I'm preaching on Sunday. If, if that's all you do, John, you're not following me. I want you to follow me on Monday. That means be nice to people on Monday. That means treat your wife good all week, not just on Sunday. That means, that means when you see someone and they need help, be willing to, to be that person. Can I brag on myself real quick? Are you allowed to do that at least once a week? <clears throat> Last week, we were, you know, church was over, and I was driving home. Usually, Diane and I will go down, down uh, Lynn Haven. We live at the end of Volvo. So I was crossing over Greenbrier, Greenbrier and Volvo, if you're familiar where that is. And there had been a car accident, and they were sitting right in the middle of the lane. And I thought, why does he, you know, the other car that hit them had gone on and pulled over in the parking lot. I'm like, why doesn't this guy, he's slowing down traffic. I'm sort of getting mad at him, and I noticed a little family standing out on the curb, so I just pulled over in front of him because the turning lane was right there, so I said, hey, man, let me help you. Let me help you push this out of the way. He said, man, I don't think we can. I'm like, well, <laughs> you obviously haven't seen me push a car lately, <laughs> but then I got around to where the side they were hit, and I understood what he was saying because when that person hit him, it bent the tire in cockeyed. So the tire was slanted, and I was like, hmm. I, I still believe. So I said, well, hop in and put it in neutral. And I started, and we got about an inch, two inches, and that's when I realized I wasn't 40. But then I started praying, Lord, we got this started. And Lord, I know this is a stupid car. But it's sort of hard to talk about you answering prayer if you don't answer a prayer. I need help here. Because the only other person was his wife and two little babies. Well, all of a sudden, a guy that had been standing by Walgreens came over. And within 20 seconds, we had the car pushed off the side of the road. Now, why, why is that important? Because he told me, he said, you know, I was standing over there. And I've been standing here going, man, you should probably go help that guy. But I saw his tire. And he said, no way. I'm not going over there. He said, but when I saw you and you moved it a couple of inches, I thought, we can do this. So I came over and we moved it. I said, well, you were my answer to prayer. And he said, no, you were my answer to prayer. And the guy got out of the car and I said, we were your answer <laughs> to prayer. Now I'm saying that what if you see a need that, hey, I think, I think I can help that. And even if you realize, I don't think I can help this. You think God will show up? Pastor, how are you making this work with healing? I believe the greatest part of wholeness that can take place is when we, re we really embrace we're saved by a God who loves us so much, he'll meet needs that will blow our minds, but we've got to be following after him. See, when you're following after yourself, I know I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this up right now. When you're following after yourself and you only want what you want, he's never promised you to answer those prayers. So, so to pray selfish prayers or to pray out of anger, listen, that's the, the first thing God wants to do is say, let me heal you. Let me touch you. I want us to stand.
We're going to close in just a minute. But if you'll close your eyes, just, just for a moment. I'm not trying to manipulate anything. I just want to give everybody a freedom here. So if you'll please close your eyes, bow your heads. If there's any part of your life that, that you really wish Jesus would heal, would you just raise your hand? I'm not calling you down. I just I want to give us some transparency. Yeah. Okay, you can put your hands down. I, I promise you just about every hand in the building went up. Just about. Here's what that means. There's a part of us that we know we need Jesus. We don't have the answer. When we humbly come before him, he is Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. You see, whatever it is this morning, it may be, I know what some of you are praying for. That loved one that's battling cancer. That individual who is facing frustration every day and they just don't know the answer or, or you're trying to move forward and make decisions or, or yes, guys, and I'm, I'm not picking on anyone, but but we all face these. You're, you're trying to work through relationship issues, and, and there just seems to be a constant struggle. You don't see a way out. You don't see a wholeness. You don't see the possibilities. He is the God that heals. So I want to pray for you. And as we're just missed, I just want you to, in your mind, leave with the kind of attitude. It's not manipulation. But there is an attitude that we have that now we have hope in him. But we walk out in obedience. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I lift up my brothers and sisters. Lord, every hand that was raised, there's no way we can understand the details of every need. But you do. And as we cry out to you, Father, Lord, whether, whether they're health issues, whether it's finances, Whatever it may be, God, it may be a job. It may be relationships. It may be physical health, Lord. It may be emotions. It may be illness, Lord, that we battle, mental illness, mental health. Lord, there's so many things that, that, that come into play. But, God, we stand before you today. And, Lord, it's not with, with eloquent words that we come to you with, Lord. It's simply saying, show yourself. We give ourselves to you. Now, Lord, I pray that this day and this week, you would make yourself known in the life of your believers. Make yourself known, Father. Give, give that person clarity of thought. Lord, bring healing. But, Lord, it comes as we step out in faith and follow you. Lord, there's going to be some revelation this week, I know, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, that if, if I walk with that limp in my life, it's not that you don't want me to be healed, it's that you're using that limp for your glory. It's, it's not sometimes, Lord, the way we understand it to be, but God, I pray that you give us those revelations. Lord, give us those signs that we can understand that you who began a good work in us will complete it. Lord, strengthen us for the struggle. Strengthen us, God. But God, I pray that you show yourself mighty 
that you would open doors that no man can open and close those doors that no man can close. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, would you do us a favor, and we're going to be dismissed. This week, when God answers that prayer or when God begins to move, would you please do us a favor, write it down, email, shoot me an email, a text, anything. Because I'm telling you, answered prayer needs to be talked about. Answered prayer, God uh, um, restoring lives, restoring marriages, restoring families, restoring businesses, that needs to be talked about. Why? Because the world needs to see a God at work. How does he do that? In us. Amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed. Please join a grace group, and we hope to see you this week. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.